Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the poem, If I Must Die, by Dr. Rafat Alarir. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this poem is one that you set your sermon on last Sunday, correct? Correct. And for those who weren't there, and I will link that sermon on the page for this so people can go watch that if they're interested. But where did this come from? This poem was written by Dr. Rafat Alorir, who is, who was now deceased an incredibly well-known, well-renowned, incredibly well-respected Palestinian teacher of writing and poetry. He has spoken around the world, a preeminent scholar and teacher at a university in Gaza. And he and his family, including children, were all killed last week in the bombings in the Gaza Strip. And this is one of his final poems that he put into the world for us to hear. Did you stumble across it on social media then? Yes, and not stumbled across. Were you following them or was it something that has been okay? Yeah. I've followed Dr. Alorir for some time. He has posted voices from Gaza. He's posted stories and poems from there for some time. And it's been beautiful to watch and to learn and be aware of his work for some time. So uh, when his death happened last week, this was a piece that I retweeted right away, along with millions of others. And in the days since, it is now being translated into as many languages as possible, that the story and the words might find its way, might weave its way into all of our stories. Okay, at this point, I think it behooves us all if you go ahead and read that poem. All right. The poem is If I Must Die. If I must die, you must live to tell my story, to sell my things, To buy a piece of cloth and some strings, make it white with a long tail, so that a child, somewhere in Gaza while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad, who left in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh, not even to himself, sees the kite, my kite you made, flying up above and thinks for a moment an angel is there bringing back love. If I must die, let it bring hope. Let it be a tale. So why did you choose to use this in your sermon? The second Sunday of Advent in year B in our lectionary is the first verse of the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, which is one of my very favorite lines in all of Scripture. It is, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I love that line because this is the gospel that has no clear ending. Mm -hmm. And the implications of that 
to me are just incredible. Like I could just sit in that without words for hours pondering what does that mean for my life and the lives of my people and the lives of all of us that there is no ending to this good news story. And so what what responsibility does that give us? What joy does that give us? What hope does that give us? What kind of uh, challenge does that give us? That this is the beginning of the good news of the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And every single word in that sentence means something, like a poem, where every single word in a poem means something. And the heart of that for me in, in a lot of ways is that we are part of this story of Jesus in the world. We are a part of this, knowing this story of this man in this region of the world who was a part of a people who were fighting for their freedom, a part of a people who wanted change in their world, who wanted justice, who wanted hope, who wanted to live without being sacrificed in violence, who wanted empire to stop using resources that were not there in the same pieces of land where Dr. Alarir taught and told stories. And to understand that being a storyteller, holding one another's stories, listening, bearing witness is a huge part of what we are called to do as followers of Christ. We are a part of this story, and this story is a part of us. And one thing that the people of Palestine have been asking for us to do in solidarity is to bear witness to what is happening to them. And if I could do nothing more with my platform, with the pulpit that I have been entrusted, than to have more people hear these words then at least more people have heard these words. The story is being shared. And that is part of what we do as fellow human beings, is we hear one another's story and we share the story. We share one another's griefs and we share one another's joys and we fly one another's kites. We turn one another's stories into something that we understand and we share. And so this poem, this piece of history is now a piece of all of our history and it is in our bones too. And that matters. And it matters in the same way that we share the story of Jesus and the same way that that piece of land, that place is all a part of our story. We are connected. And so that's why for me, it was important that we hear this, that we hold this, and that we honor this. Was it something that struck you immediately? Or is it something where you saw the poem, read the poem, let it marinate in your brain a little bit, and then went looking for something to do for a sermon, and it came to you? I think it's kind of a both and. <laughs> you don't say. Now that we've done that podcast, I think it's so funny how much I'm noticing that. I... I was sitting with this poem through the entire week and the poem was kind of weaving through me the entire week, probably more so even than the scripture was for the week, because it was such a theme of the grief of the week of witnessing the genocide in Palestine for the week 
after the ceasefire ended, just the renewed bombings that kicked up and that people had been told to move to the South because they would be safe. And then the bombing really picked up in Kanyunis and they were not safe in the South. And there was a day that I chose, I was on my own most of the day. And there was a day that I chose that I would witness and bear witness to the children. So any post that came up with children in my feeds across my social media, I would take a breath and bear witness to the children with the sound on. Wow. So that was my choice for the day. And it is a it is a practice that I will do sometimes. Sometimes I just bear witness to the images or sometimes I bear witness to the words or sometimes I can do both or some, but it's not always that I bear witness to the sounds of it. Um, but that day I bore witness to all of that. And um, yeah, that sounds heartbreaking. It is. And it should be. Mm-hmm. It is. And it should be. And it is important that we do it because our Arab siblings have to, and we don't have to, right? I get to choose when I do, but others don't. They are living it. And so I think there is that kind of, the, the first line of Dr. Alarir's poem, if I must die, then you must live to tell my story. And that necessity to say, if this is a thing that is going to happen, if there is no safety in Gaza, if there is no way that there will be a safe place, then you have to live and tell my story. And what is that call? And for me then, as I'm thinking about this tied in with Mark 1-1, what is it to say that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Like, Jesus died at our hands because we could not dare to believe in love and abundance for all people. Our empire could not dare to believe in healing and love and abundance for all people. So if Jesus must die, then we must live to tell that story. And what is it to be a part of that necessity, part of that weave, part of that storytelling, part of empire and a storyteller. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it should be a lot. It's okay for it to be a lot. It should be. What were you hoping that people would take away from this sermon? If they don't remember a single thing about what I said, I printed out copies of the poem and I passed them out in the pews. And if they don't remember a single word that I said, they have the words of the poem in their hand. Because in case they aren't following the Palestinian cause, the conflict in Gaza, the genocide that is ongoing, in case they are trying to not see, in case they are afraid to say the wrong thing or afraid to entangle their hearts in the ongoing violence, I wanted those words in their hands. I wanted them exposed to that part of our humanity, our story, and our current story right now that is happening in our world. And so, if nothing else, I wanted the poem to be known by more people. 
What kind of feedback have you gotten from this sermon? Any? None. None? None so far. My feedback to you is, it struck me enough that I wanted to do a podcast on it. And that... So there's that. That caught me. Like the fact that you asked to maybe do this as a topic. And I jumped on it, of course. Mm -hmm. You brought this as a possibility and I jumped at it because I think this matters. So do you shy away from talking about topics like current event topics like the Palestinian cause in the pulpit? Or is it something that you think is your responsibility to talk about? It depends. I think there have been a lot of times that I, if I feel like it is a quote unquote safe cause for me to talk about in our community, I will go towards it. Friend, this is not a safe cause. The kind of vitriol that Mm -hmm. has been thrown around on social media in particular has been a lot. It is not a safe cause. Mm -hmm. And that is the one thing to say is that this is not a safe cause to go towards. And when I arrived at Central, this community has been on the forefront of seeking justice for the people of Palestine for 15 18, 20 years, Mm -hmm. this community has been active for peace in Palestine for for decades. And I was very anxious about it. I did not know much. I did not have an understanding just how fraught it is when you try to talk about it and how much it brings out vitriol and how much it brings out black and white thinking and this kind of binary and how uh, difficult even putting out this podcast could easily bring trolls just Mm -hmm. an abundance for us. And all of that kind of piece, I will say that I am learning how to be courageous on this topic. And I have learned over the course of an almost decade how to be more courageous on this topic. I still have a long, long ways to go, but I am learning how to be more courageous on this topic. Do you have a hope for this situation? Because at the moment, it seems pretty hopeless. Ceasefire. Of course, I want a hope that is larger than that. Sure. But that's a start. That is a start. And that is where we will start is for a ceasefire and release of all hostages and prisoners and start there and go from there. But to start with a ceasefire, I mean, I could keep adding on from (laughs) there in a heartbeat. (laughs) And it is, you know, I want, I want free passage out of Gaza. I want, I want hope. I want hope for the children of Palestine. Do you check with the ELCA and see what the official church stance is before talking about such things, or are you more concerned about your congregation itself? Well, the interesting thing about the ELCA and this particular topic is that back in 2002 on my internship year is when we passed the Peace Not Walls campaign which was our official kind of stance that we would stand with the people of Palestine, that we would that we would ally alongside a company, the people of Palestine, be when the, the walls were being built. Mm-hmm. And recently, before this current round of conflict began, before October 7th, 
there was a review and a report. And so the campaign has recently been updated because the walls have been built. Mm -hmm. The walls are there. (laughs) The walls have a lot of art on them. They have been there for so long. And peace is not something that is enough at this point. Justice is what we are seeking. And so the ELCA did reports and studies and have changed their work. So now 20 years later, the stance the ELCA has is that we continue to stand firmly in accompaniment alongside the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Jordan and the Holy Land. So ELCJHL and the Palestinian Christians Mm -hmm. in that area. And our accompaniment is now instead of the Peace Not Walls campaign, it will be called Sumud for justice in Palestine and Israel. And Sumud is an Arabic word meaning steadfastness, often used by Palestinian liberation theologians to refer to resistance through existence. And it has a shift from peace to justice. And the slide on this says, as the primary goal reflects our partner's call for the ELCA to call a thing what it is, to identify the Israeli occupation as an injustice that must be ended to create the grounds for true peace. The naming of Palestine in the face of Palestinian erasure is crucial. So we are saying for justice in Palestine and Israel. The naming of Israel also includes Jewish and non-Jewish Israelis in a vision of justice, following the principle that liberation frees both the oppressed and the oppressor. So this is our new ELCA understanding of how we are trying to accompany this incredibly complex situation in the Holy Land and understanding very much so that the Israeli government is not Jewish people Mm -hmm. and being very clear about that. And so how we find our way forward and how we work and how we advocate and how we dream a way forward and accompany one another and listen with one another is all very careful and led by the Palestinian people who are in this situation, those who have the least and those who are the most in need of the compassion of God's people. That's fascinating. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question. If people wanted to help, what would you suggest? This is such a hard situation. And I know that it is difficult to learn. So if you are in a situation where you already understand you've been following this for years and you want to be more active, then key in to your organizations that are already being active and stay active. Participate in the worldwide strikes. Participate in local actions for Palestine. Continue to speak out. Continue to share on your social media. Don't be silent. Continue to call government officials and ask for ceasefire every single day. Do everything you can to put on pressure. If you are new in this and you want to learn more or you have an itching or you're feeling really, really uncomfortable hearing me talk about this, it's time to learn more. 
like anything that makes us super uncomfortable. If there's someone that we kind of respect or kind of trust talking about it, but we just feel really uncomfortable because we don't understand it, then it's time to learn more. And so find reputable sources to start learning more. Start going on to, I know it's hard to say, go on social media and start following some folks, but find a way to find some reputable people, journalists to follow who are on the ground in Gaza and find Al Jazeera Network in English and follow to hear the story. Find these kinds of places so you can hear and listen and learn and open up perspectives that might be new for yourself to hear these perspectives, ask questions, and give yourself that opportunity to stretch your understandings. Be uncomfortable. And interesting, I spent a day in an anti-racism workshop this last week, and instead of us pledging to make a safe space for one another, we made a pledge to make a courageous space. That's a fascinating distinction. Isn't it? I thought it was absolutely brilliant because how can you truly go into an anti-racist space and do work to confront your own racism, to confront your own isms and remain safe? You can't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to feel like you've made mistakes. You're going to feel some shame. You're going to feel those things that push you out of your comfort zone, but you can go in with courage. You can go in with a heart that is being made larger to have room for more people. So go in with courageous hearts to learn more. Let your heart be broken. And in the breaking open of it, you will love more and follow more in the footsteps of Jesus. And that is what this is all about. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the poem, If I Must Die. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening along. I encourage you on this journey. And thank you for learning more and for hearing this poem. If you have questions or concerns, or would like to contact us, please feel free to reach out at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>